the KGEZ Good Morning Show with John Hendricks and Robin Mitchell. Now, Glacier Bank's Community Conversations. 15 minutes with one of Northwest Montana's newsmakers. Glacier Bank's totally free checking saves you both time and money. Visit your nearest Glacier Bank office today. There's a convenient location near you. Glacier Bank, member FDIC and an equal housing lender. And today it's a real pleasure to bring this man on. Uh, he has uh, been our public servant here for more years than uh, Robin has been alive, I think. <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> we have uh, State Legislator Representative Bob Keenan. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Very well, thank You've you. made our day calling us gentlemen already. Yeah, already, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, well, uh, you know, with, with, with you having the horny deer as my lead in the <laughs> I'm kind of nervous about what's going to happen next. Yeah, okay. Well, Robin, of course, was referring to that uh, rack on the deer's head. Yeah, yeah. It's very horny. Uh, okay, well, let's get to the good stuff here with yeah. Bob, John. Yeah, you know, uh, I... I the, the big thing that uh, uh, I think everybody needs to first of all understand is Bob has worked really hard to make this commission, the Behavioral Health System for Future Generations Commission happening. You championed it through the legislature, and uh, now that it's a reality, well, somebody said you had to be the chairman of it. <laughs> well, that's right. I, you know, I was approached by the governor's office early in January because I'm sure that a lot of people are aware that the mental health system has more or less crashed over the last four or five years after we had projected budget shortfalls. So provider rates at the local level were cut and that slowly but uh, steadily uh created a crisis at the lo local level for response and the response for mental health crises in the community tends to be a call to 911 and that's not fair to the law enforcement officers uh, some of them have training some do not but having a mental health crisis and then have a have blue lights and handcuffs and a jail looking looking in the immediate future for the person in crisis, that's going to escalate the system and not stabilize the system. So we'll start with that, um, that, you know, the governor's office came to me and they, because this same sort of thing happened back in 97, 98, 99, um, and when we had mental health managed care, which was a Roscoe administration contract with the behavioral health uh, outfit out of Baltimore, Maryland, and they ran the system into the ground. So we had to rebuild, pick up, rebuild, put the pieces back together again. We did that and it held together for a dozen or so years or maybe a little bit more than that. And then with provider rate cuts, it crashed under the last, uh, the previous two administrations to the uh, G and Forte administration. So, you know, I have to give them credit for coming to me, recognizing that we had another uh, disaster on our hands. Everybody knows that about Warm Springs, the mental health state hospital lost its certification from the federal government for the way that they were operating, lack of resources that were put into that, having a huge state like we have and um, having one facility because the local communities uh, could not handle the load. Then we ended up with waiting lists. The biggest impact that 
well, I don't know about the biggest impact, but one huge impact that we had was on the criminal justice system. Because you had people that had obvious um, mental health, severe disabling mental illnesses. That's called SDMI. We can get into the acronyms here real quick, and I'll be careful about that. But those folks ended up without treatment with a waiting list to get into uh, the criminal um, mental health hospital, which is at Galen next door to the state hospital, which would be civilly committed people. So anyway, we, we had a mess and the governor's office asked me to, to do what we did 23 years ago, and that was to rebuild the system. It's a lot more complicated now because we call it behavioral health. It's not mental health. I had to get uh, adjusted to that. The reason that changes behavioral health includes substance use disorder, which obviously is drugs and alcohol. And when you bring that into the picture, it becomes extremely complicated uh, when people are, are not taking their psychotropic medication, but they're self-medicating with, uh, with illegal or legal but illegally obtained drugs, um, we end up with a mess. They're rewiring their brains and perhaps they'll never recover. So, you know, my, my philosophy overall, um, I have to say, because a lot of people question, like, why are we doing this? Why are we taking care of these people and all that? And it's, it's my belief, and I'll debate anybody about it, that at this point in time, government has a role in taking care of people that can't take care of themselves for whatever reason. Now, I get arguments that the churches should do that. Well, that was 100 years ago, and it was great. But my argument is if we can get back to that model in the next 100 years, I'm all for it. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. So we are stuck with it. So what the commission did we, we after we got the bill passed, the, the most important thing uh, – that was comforting to me was the fact that we were able to get this through the legislature, but that the judiciary uh, came on board with us. They're all in right from the Supreme court chief justice uh, all the way down through all of the courts, the public defender system recognizes the problem. So it was an all, all hands on deck and that made it a lot easier for me to herd the cats and get this started. So the commission itself, what we did is we developed priorities right out of the gate because this is such a huge problem. It's it's everywhere. It's in the schools. It's at the state hospital. Um, the hospital, as a matter of fact, the, the private non the public nonprofit private nonprofit hospital organizations in our area, Logan Healthcare, and they've been all in with us too, trying to solve it because. These issues end up uh, typically right now. It's a 911 call. Uh, uh, law enforcement responds. And what we're trying to solve, I'm trying to go big picture because I know we don't have very much time here. So just give you an overview is we're trying to solve the questions. When, when you and your family and families are a huge part of this as well, because it's everywhere. Yeah. And so when a mental health or a developmental disability or a co-occurring between the two of those happens in a family, a lot of times the big questions that we're trying to answer is who do you call, who responds, and where do you go from there? Well, 
We need group homes. Uh, we need services in the homes to keep families together when they're struggling with, with these issues. Um, so we set up priorities and we came up with seven priorities right out of the gates and they're big, broad subjects, but we're trying to narrow our scope down through them because of how huge this problem is and how far reaching it is. You can just imagine, uh, you know, in, in uh, Jordan or Mile City or Sydney. And for that matter, there's a, what we're looking for, too, in the crisis response area. Um, and Libby has a tremendous program up there that was developed by one lady who worked uh, in the probation parole uh, pre-trial uh, area of the Department of Corrections and in conjunction with the Department of Justice, I suspect, as well. Oh. But um, she put together a crisis response system up in Libby that is fabulous for a rural county with a small town. And we also have crisis response down in Missoula with the Missoula Fire Department. So we're trying to coordinate all those things. But oh, uh, certainly we are. came up with yeah. seven seven priorities. Okay, Bob, uh, a lot of them have to do with building capacity. Yeah, Bob, uh, let's go into those seven right after we do this quick break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This may seem like a silly question, but hear me out. My name is Courtney Holquist with Glacier Bank, member FDIC. When operating a business, would you rather things run smoothly or be a hassle? Easy answer, right? Using efficient products and services makes all the difference. Totally free business checking with Glacier Bank is one of those tools. It helps smart business owners like you keep profits up and costs down. Our totally free business checking requires no minimum to open and no monthly service charges. You also get 3,000 free monthly transaction items. Whether you're just starting out or expanding, Glacier Bank wants to keep your business running smoothly and succeed beyond your wildest dreams. Go to GlacierBank.com, call, or visit. How about today? Glacier Bank's Community Conversations. Here again is John Hendricks. And today we're talking behavioral health with uh, uh, Representative Bob Keenan, who represents the Big Fork area and has for many, many years. So, Bob, uh, what is it that, uh, first of all, got you into this behavioral health situation? Why is it that it's your mission? <laughs> well, I, I think it goes back, you know, in 1999, I was I was on a, a subcommittee that we do the and I've been on it now nine times. Uh, and we do the budget for the Department of Public Health and Human Services. So underneath that umbrella is obviously was addictive and mental disorder division. It's since changed, of course, with uh, government reorganization and all that. Now it's behavioral health, developmental disabilities, disabilities. But at any rate, to be to be quick, I was on the subcommittee working on this, and we had that, which I mentioned earlier, the disastrous managed care contract uh, for mental health at the time. Now it's behavioral health, as I mentioned, because substance use is part of it. But at any rate, um, I was the deciding vote to cancel that contract. It was a five-year contract. We'd been underway for about two years, and it was a disaster. So 
I cast that vote, and uh, old Senator John Harp from Evergreen at the time was the leader in the Senate, and uh, he came to me, and uh, it was colorful, but he said, nice vote. Now what do we do? We don't have a mental health system, and I didn't know what else to say, so I said, well, uh, give me some bill draft requests, and I'll rebuild the system. So I spent the next five or six years kind of building the system together as best I could. Um, so that was the background. So then when we ended up with these provider rate cuts that happened in 17 and then the resulting disassembly of the community uh, crisis response system, uh, Governor Gianforte's office came to me and said, well, you've done it before. Will you do it again? And I had a feeling that was going to happen this way. So I said, sure. So here we go. So we, you know, right out of the gates, uh, we developed priorities to try to channel our efforts um, because you can get uh, you can get scattered. You know, it can be a shotgun approach, and you really get nothing accomplished. We really have to target in and and work and build this. This is absolutely going to be a six eight year process. So I can guarantee you that there's going to have to be uh, somebody else. And there are plenty of good people in the legislature to step up and continue this process through. Um, The governor's office told me, I said, well, what do you want to do? And they said, well, we need a blueprint. We need your help in developing that. We want to put together a commission to, to take over this efforts. And I said, okay. And they said, and we're going to put $300 million and set that aside to make it happen. So now and you've got some money my, to work with, right? Yes. Yeah. And my insistence right out of the gates was, well, we don't want to spend $300 million on the broken system that we have right now. We'll let the system, because the system that, we're, we're, that we have right now is spending $754 million a year on all of this stuff. Now, the last thing I was going to do was put good money after bad, throw more money at a system that's broken. So um, we're not we're not doing that so far. I mean, we have made available, I'd say about $50 million with initiatives and incentives for trying to clean up the court-ordered evaluation process that has to happen by statute pretty much in Warm Springs right now, which is a bottleneck and it creates opportunities uh, for defendants to be released. Some of them do not, some of them uh, are dangerous and uh, that's because they have a right to a speedy trial, but the bottleneck in warm springs for court ordered evaluations, psych evals, if you will, uh, is, is bottlenecked up. So at any rate, we came up with the, I'll get to the priorities now. We have seven priorities. A lot of them have to do with capacity, you know, building capacity within the system. The biggest issue by far that we're dealing with is the workforce challenges that we all have throughout society and the rates of pay, the inflation that we're dealing with. But workforce, we can develop the best behavioral health, developmental disability system, anywhere. I mean, we can have a gold-plated system, but if you don't have a workforce, you don't get anywhere. So that's, and how do you solve that? Well, you solve that with training. You solve that in cooperation with the higher education system, uh, whether that's University of Montana, Montana State University, whether it's FBCC, uh, 
wherever I, we've got what 11 including the tribal uh, community colleges i think we probably have close to 15 higher educational institutions so we need to encourage people that are inclined to get into this field um, that it is a noble field to work in um, and that you can make a living and there is that training and appreciation for the work that is being done so we need workforce now what we've what we've done our priorities are to build up a comprehensive statewide crisis system which is what i talked about in the previous segment and then we need to fix warm springs we need to fix the state-run nursing home in Mm -hmm. lewistown Uh, we also have a chemical dependency center in butte those state-run facilities need to be enhanced we need one thing i'd like to stress is that we're not trying to build more brick and mortar facilities to take care of people we want to stress the community aspect of this um so in the capacity you know we have the adult behavioral health mental health uh system we've got a children's mental health system so that's where i say mental health is everywhere it's everywhere from the from the school-based mental health programs that they have we've got just dis- you know disruptive children in the classroom how do we deal with them how do we get the workforce there to help the administration the teachers in the classroom um so the children's system is is an issue and we our next commission meeting will focus on that piece um we also have you know capacity of the dd system the developmental disability system and that's a that's a pretty darn good system i don't know you you know we do have group homes for people Mm -hmm. um people that have developmental disabilities are very sometimes um it could just be a physical disability um and that's challenging enough as it is but when you do have a mental a disability as well as a physical disability it is intensive the the state cost plans for those type of clients it can be anywhere from 30 or 40 thousand dollars a year for people to go into the home and help with your daily uh you know your daily bathing in in bed in bed out of bed those kinds of things all the way to uh, an intensive group home, which could be a $500,000 a year budget for one person to take care of their needs. Uh, we're up close to a million dollars a person for the eight or nine people that are in a facility in Boulder. It's, it's big money. It's a big concern. There obviously are civil rights involved for people to have, to have treatment to have their needs taken care of. There was a U.S. Supreme Court uh, order in, 90, mm-hmm. in 1999, it's called the Olmstead decision, that required uh, a, least, a least restrictive environment, which basically led to deinstitutionalization. So we cut down, we used to have hundreds of people in Galen and Warm Springs and in Boulder and facilities, just hundreds of people warehoused. It was cruel and unusual treatment for people that are there with no, with no, uh, no fault of their own. So at any rate, that, that mandated community 
response and community services and that least restrictive environment, which, you know, applies to schools. So we have, you know, we have special ed uh, and and things like that. But anyway, gentlemen, I, I don't know. Oh, we'll just, I tell you what, where are we, where are we on our, our, our priorities here? Are we on uh, two or three? I lost track here. But, well, we have said, uh, we're on, basically, we're on number three. You know, okay. we have the crisis right. system we're trying to fix. We have the state-run facilities. Then we have capacity in the adult, capacity in the children's, both of those mental health. Right. Um, then we get into the DD, and again, it's capacity for the DD services, uh, the co-occurring, and then the last, but probably the most important, is the family and uh, caretaker supports. Um, to so that when, as I said earlier, when we when a family is confronted with an out of the blue, all of a sudden they've got they've got issues. Well, they know who to call, who can respond, and where do they go for help if it needs to be out of the home placement. The emergency departments at hospitals are not set up for these kinds of visits. All right. We are uh, talking with uh, Representative Bob Keenan, who is the uh, commission chair uh, of this, uh, trying to get behavioral health back together with us again for future generations. A uh, couple of quick uh, concluding thoughts with Mr. Keenan right after this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where do you find holiday spirit? Maybe it's donating to charities, cooking, or decorating, and music. From classics to carols, these signal a magical time of year. From your neighbors at Glacier Bank, member FDIC, my name is Hannah Green. We hope you'll make beautiful music a part of your holiday season. Valley Voices and Glacier Bank invite you in harmony with Christmas. This is the choir's 23rd year performing under founding director, Allison Kuchman. And what a show it is. December 9th, 7 p.m. at St. John Paul Catholic Church in Big Fork and December 10th, 3 p.m. at Risen Christ Catholic Church in Evergreen. Valley Voices and Glacier Bank invite you in harmony with Christmas. Admission is free and we are all welcome. Happy holidays, everyone. May they be filled with magic. Glacier Bank's Community Conversations. Here again is Robin Mitchell. We're talking with longtime legislator Bob Keenan, who has been working for years putting this together, getting an overview on the uh, behavioral health system. You're a Vesuvius of information, Bob. You've overwhelmed <laughs> us. Can you, you tell us, uh, how does the fund and the commission intersect with the Heart Fund? Well, the Heart Fund. Okay, so the Heart the Heart Fund was was established by the Gianforte administration when they came uh, into office. Uh, I guess we'll call it three years ago, and that was one of his initiatives. Um, we are not working. You know, we are working in some ways within the Heart Fund. There is some cross pollinization with that being what we talked about earlier, uh, which was the. The fact that the um, behavioral health is the new issue because we have substance use disorders. Uh, another thing we haven't mentioned, we had traumatic brain injury type of uh, impacts. So the the uh, the heart fund primarily is dealing with that behavioral health that people that medicate 
recreate whatever with bad substances, you know, whether that's abuse of alcohol or or drugs, legal or illegal. And that's the effort that they're making. And uh, we're so that's all encompassing, I would say. What we're trying to deal with is diagnoses, uh, diagnoses okay. of mental health or behavioral health. But I, I appreciate you bringing that up because there is a good crossover for that. And I think uh, as I sit here and think about that, I, I hope that that will lessen our workload if we're dealing with more <laughs> of if the heart fund and the heart efforts can take some of this off of our plate, that would be wonderful. Okay, Bob. Well, thank what you so a much. Gargantuan task that you have been charged <laughs> with, Bob. And uh, boy, as I, we can see there's so many aspects of it that we just even even imagine. Thank you so much for the hard work you're doing, and we appreciate all you're doing, uh, Bob Keenan. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, gentlemen. Anytime. All Take right. Care. It's Glacier Bank's Community Conversations, a service of Glacier Bank, where your checking is totally free. Just about anywhere you are in northwest Montana, you'll find a Glacier Bank office nearby, keeping you connected to your friends in your community. <clears throat> an important part of the mission of Glacier Bank. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Here is a